Do you ever have those moments in life that where it feels like God isn't there? He, you pray and it seems like God is silent. You, you pray and, and, and there's no answer. Or you feel like God has left you in the process of something and you've, you've sought the Lord and, and you've, you, you've met with him. And, and, and now you, you're like, God, where, where are you? I, I haven't heard from you. I haven't, I haven't experienced you. Where, where are you in the midst of things? And oftentimes in those moments, we lose faith. We, we lose our way, that, that narrow way that Jesus calls us to, to follow. We, we lose our way. We, we don't trust. And then we slowly take our eyes off of Jesus and we put it onto other things. Things that we choose to embrace, to satisfy in time of need. And no longer do we run to God, but we run to those, those vices or those idols that we begin to build in our lives. Now you know what an idol is, right? An idol is anything that is more important than God in your life. An idol can be a car, a spouse, an idol can be a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It can be a, a, a career, a lifestyle. Let me ask you this morning, is that you? Have you built an idol in your life? Have you been there in the past? Do you know what that's like? Today we're going to be walking through with the children of Israel through a very dark moment in their past, a moment that we can all identify with in our own lives, a moment of regret, a moment of giving over to fleshly desires, a moment of idol worship, a moment that God writes down for us in his word to remember, for all to remember for years to come, a moment that the church should take very seriously and learn from this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Exodus chapter 32? Exodus chapter 32. As I was praying about what to teach on this weekend, I believe that God was stirring in my heart to teach something very hard it's a very tough message this morning, but I think it's pertinent for us as a church today. As we walk through this section, we're going to see four things. We're going to see the covenant. Number one is the covenant. The second thing we're going to see is the compromise. The third thing we're going to see is the cost. And the fourth thing we're going to see is the consequences. Now let me set the stage for you as we go to Exodus chapter 32. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 32 and then Exodus 24 as well. At this point, Moses has led the children out of Israel, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he, they've crossed over the Red Sea. God has done incredible miracles. He's done incredible things already in the lives of the children of Israel. God has really moved. He's showed them, I am your God. And now they've moved over to the foot of the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And now Moses has been gone from the people for 40 days. He's up on the top of the mountain. God had invited Moses to come up to the top of the mountain, Mount Sinai, as, as the people are down below, and, and he's communing with God. He's hanging out with God, and it's so sweet. It's so, so personal as, as God is giving him the, the blueprints to the tabernacle, and he's giving them him the Ten Commandments and, and the details of the law, and he's, he's handing these things over to Moses, and just they're, they're talking with each other and enjoying sweet fellowship. Meanwhile, the children of Israel are at the base of the mountain. They're down below and they're waiting. And they're waiting for Moses to return. They're waiting for Moses to come back. And, and they're waiting for God to speak. And they're wondering, what is going on? It's been 40 days. Now 
Now I want us to look back for a moment at the moment where Moses was invited by the Lord to go up or was told to go up to the mountain together. So if you keep your finger in Exodus 32, go back to 24 for a second. And look with me at verse 12 of Exodus chapter 24. This is the moment where God had, had spoken. He says, the Lord said to Moses, verse 12, come up to, to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you all the tab. I will give you tablets of stone and the law of the and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, "Wait here for us until we come back to you." Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Key phrase here in verse 14, it says, if you look back at 14, it says, wait here for us until we come back to you. Wait. Well, the children of Israel are sitting at the base of the mountain and they're waiting. They've been waiting for 40 days. That's a long time. To think about, think about waiting for 40 days. Waiting, is Moses going to come back? Is he, gonna, is he, is he still alive? Is, is, he, is he died? I don't, we don't know. And then he says, Aaron, uh, uh, Moses says, Aaron, uh, you're in charge. I'm putting you in charge. You, you're the next in command. You're, you're my right-hand man, Aaron. Hey, I, I, want you, I want you to lead these people while I'm gone. Now, something else I want you to to know is just days before Moses left up on top of the mountain, Moses, uh, God establishes a covenant with his people. And it's a beautiful moment. There was a couple moments in the process of, of them coming before, uh, onto this mountain and, and, and at the bottom of this mountain where God is just ministering to his people and, and, exper- and they're experiencing God in a very powerful way. And if you look earlier in that chapter, look at verse 3. You see the inside of the hearts of the people, verse 3 of chapter 24. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. Lord, we want, we, we, we're, we're in. We, we love you. We, we want to serve you. We're, we're We're committed. Earlier, right before that, the elders are up on uh, uh, halfway up the mountain and they're worshiping God. It's an incredible moment where they're just worshiping the Lord and they're they're experiencing the presence of God. And this is powerful moments that are that are happening. Look down at verse seven of chapter twenty-four, and he took the book of the covenant and read. In, in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. This is the covenant. This is the covenant. This is when they said, we're all in, Lord. We're yours. We're committed. We're going to follow you with our lives. We're going we're to love you. We're going to obey your words. We're going to love your word, and we're going to do what it says. Now, when we make a covenant with God, it's a big deal, right? Would you say that? Would you say that it's a big deal if we make a covenant with God? When I stood before God and witnesses on my wedding day, it was a big deal. It was a covenant before God and before my wife saying, I'm going to be faithful to you, Lord. I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I'm not going to give in to the the things of this world. I'm not going to allow it to, to... to corrupt me and get me off track. I am committed, faithful. My covenant is true to you, Lord. Yet I want you to understand something. We've all made a covenant with the Lord. When we became a Christian, when we asked the Lord to come into our life, we made a covenant with him. And said, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. 
I'm committed to you. I'm all in with you, Lord. I'm going all the way with you, Lord. Just similar to what we see here in chapter 24. So the children of Israel made this covenant with the Lord. They were worshiping the Lord. And it was like this mountaintop experience, though they were at the bottom of the mountain. They were, they were experiencing the Lord. Yet, I want you to see something very crazy. What was crazy is 40 days later, just 40 days later, we find these same people abandoning the true and living God for a man-made idol. 40 days so in the span of a 40, 40 days, everything changes. Do you know that in your life, everything can change in the matter of a few days, good or bad? Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe life has changed for you. You could be walking close with the Lord. You could be in intimacy and close fellowship with the Lord and because of a few circumstances, you're now fallen and on the floor, worshiping an idol, giving way to compromise, doing things you shouldn't be doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't think that you're above falling into sin, church. Now turn with me to, uh, to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, because I want you to see now, we just saw this moment, it's awesome, this, co this covenant with the Lord and, and this moment where they're, they're close and they're worshiping the Lord. Now, now 40 days later, we're at 30, chapter 32, and look what happens. Verse 1, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that, that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So the people started asking the question, where is Moses? Aaron, where's Moses? What's, what's happened to Moses? Well, it seems like God isn't responding. God's not there. What do we do? Where is God? It's been 40 days. Here's the root of their questioning. The root of their questioning is impatience. Do you ever get impatient with God? <laughs> Never, right? Not you. I, ne I never get impatient with the Lord. Never. Have you ever done this? Have you ever prayed, God, I, I need you to fix this situation now, right? <laughs> or I need you to answer my prayer this way, Lord. God is not a drive up window that we can get whatever we want. You know what's sad is when, we, when he doesn't do what we want him to do, when he doesn't answer the way we want him to answer, then we start to think, well, God must not be real. God must not love me. And we begin to doubt. Yet I want you to see something very clearly. Is that God has already clearly spoken. He clearly spoke 40 days before this, and he's clearly spoken to us in this. You see, you don't need God to speak to you right now because he's already spoken to you yesterday and the day before, and he's speaking to you today through this. All you got to do is open up the word of God and, and let him speak to you and let the promises of the past be the promises of today. Because the promises of the past are the promises of today. Because we can hold on to that in his word. Yet sometimes it feel, we feel distant from the Lord. In those moments of brokenness, we wonder, God, where are you? Why haven't you spoken? Why aren't you moving? So the people said to Aaron... You're the next in charge, Aaron. 
do something. Make us happy. We need a leader. Our leader's gone. He's MIA, and we don't know what's happened to Moses, and God is not here either. So Aaron, make us a God. Make us something. Make us happy. Fulfill our desires. Now Aaron has a choice to make here, doesn't he? Let's see what he does. Look at verse 2. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he, he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a, mold, a molded calf. This is the compromise right here. This is the moment of compromise, Aaron's decision. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires, its desire is for you. Yet you should rule over it, it says. Sin is crouching at the door. Have you ever watched a cat? Long enough to see it hunt something, long, long enough to search after its prey. It's very interesting. We had this cat uh, years ago. Uh, his name was Jive. I know some of you are going, what kind of name is that, right? Jive. Well, I came up with the name, so... Um, it was this big gray cat, long, long-haired gray cat, and he loved to hunt, and he would go outside, and he would find something, and he would, he would get behind, you know, the, 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 the item that he was hiding behind, and he would see his prey, and then all of a sudden, he would pounce on it. He would, he would be crouched, ready to take it out. That is the way sin is in our life. Sin is crouching at the door, and its, is, and its desire is for you. The question is, are you going to rule over it through the power of the Spirit? Church, always remember that you're one decision away from costly mistakes. Costly mistakes. Remember King David? He's doing really well. He was doing awesome, man after God's own heart, right? And David loves the Lord. He comes in from battle, puts his armor, uh, takes his armor off, takes his mind off of Jesus for just a moment. Bam! And what do you, where does he find himself? On the floor, in sin, in compromise. And the cost that came from that was so great. Yet you, compro, you, you compare uh, David's life with, with, with Joseph. For just a moment, Joseph was a man that loved the Lord. He was trying to serve the Lord, a young man, and he got sold into slavery by his brothers. And here he is saying, Lord, what's going on? And then he tries to love the Lord, and he's trying to serve the Lord, and then he gets put into prison by doing the right thing. Yet he kept his eyes on Jesus. He kept his eyes on, on what, he was, what he was called to do, to love the Lord. He was waiting in prison, waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, they, they say two or three years he's waiting. Lord, are you going to do anything? Lord, are you going to do anything? But being faithful. Aaron's decision cost him greatly here. All Aaron had to do in this situation is say no. Did you know that? He's the leader. No, we're not going to do this, guys. No, you are being foolish. What are you thinking? That's all he had to do, but he didn't. He didn't remember the covenant that he made 40 days before. He, didn't, he was just listening to the people. He was swayed by the people. Have you ever been swayed by the people? Maybe you've been swayed this week by the people. Church, we need to obey God's word. We need to obey God over man. Though it's hard sometimes, isn't it? 
Be true to your commitment to the Lord. Be true to your covenant to the Lord. Aaron gives way to one of the biggest black marks in the history of the children of Israel. Do you see how easy it was? He just goes, okay, bring me the gold. We'll do something. We'll see what happens. Here's the danger, church. I want you to see this. We live in the world. We live in the world. We are influenced by the world all the time, all day long. We watch the movies from this world. We do business in this world. We go to events and festivals, and we're, we're walking around in this world. And if we aren't pouring into our lives more of God's word, then, then the world, guess what's going to win out? The world. That's what's going to win out in our life. That's why we need to be in God's word daily. The sad thing is, and I'm going to be honest with us this morning as a church, most of you aren't in this. And you wonder why you're in compromise in your life. It's as easy as opening it up and saying, God, I love you. God, speak to me. God, I need you today. You're my all in all. I'm holding on to your co my covenant with you. Speak to me, Lord. I need you today. But so many times we just leave it on the shelf. Leave it in the car so we can have it there when we go to church on Sunday. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 says this, for, for the one who sows to the flesh shall... From the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. So the flesh and the Spirit are at war with each other, right? They're like two dogs warring to see who's going to win. The question is, which one are you feeding? Which one's getting stronger in your life? If you're feeding the flesh, your flesh is going to get stronger. If you're feeding the Spirit, the Spirit's going to get stronger, no wonder you're falling into compromise. No wonder you're falling into sin. Church, it's time to feed the Spirit and let the Spirit win in our lives. Aaron is failing here in this section. You see, Aaron, he was supposed to lead the people, right? Yet, what did he do? He failed at leading. Husbands, fathers, lead your homes. Mothers, lead your kids. Be a spiritual leader where God has placed you. Don't allow compromise to come into your home anymore. Some of you need to, to get rid of some things and do some radical things to get rid of stuff in your house. There's music that is destroying your family. There's, there's TVs and computers and things that are destroying your family and you're allowing it to happen. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to be in heaven and, and, and not to, to, to be in heaven with your hand cut off. Now, I don't want you to go out and cut your hands off. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus is what he's saying is be radical about sin. Deal with it in your life. Look at verse 5. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings, and, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Here's what I want you to see in these verses. Aaron continues to compromise. He didn't just compromise once. He compromised again and again. Compromise leads to another. One compromise leads to another. And that's what's happening here. Another thing I want you to see is how fast they fell. They went from, for, from four, 40 days it took them from worshiping the living God to now worshiping a man-made idol. Now I was thinking about this last night. And 40 days from today is Christmas Eve. That's how fast they fell. They
that gives you a framework of perspective. What will you be doing on Christmas Eve this year? You see, this is a sharp reality for us today. You see, the harsh reality is that in 40 days from now, some, some of you won't be here because you've chosen to follow the ways of the world. That's the reality. So what are you going to do today to not let that happen? Make sure it doesn't happen. Draw close to the Lord. The Bible says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Being in God's word, not allowing compromise in your life, surrounding yourself with Christian fellowship instead of uh, surrounding yourself with with those that are going to cause you to fall. Some of you need to get rid of some of your friends. I'm getting really hard because this is what God is wanting for us. Some of you need to get rid of your friends because they're not good friends. They're not helping you walk with the Lord. They're helping you fall. They're helping you compromise in the things of the Lord. Get rid of your friends and start cleaning house. It's time to cut out some things. Look at, verse, uh, look at the last part of verse 6 again. It says they rose up to play. This is a reference to sexual play. This is getting really, really bad. Aaron's just letting things go. They began to dance sexually and give way to sexual pleasures. The whole thing's getting really, really, really bad. And what's sad is Aaron and the elders are doing nothing about it. They're going, all right, well, maybe this is good. Let's see what happens. Come on, Aaron. Compromise. You see what sin does? Sin blinds us, church. It destroys us, and it will eventually cost us everything. Be very careful. The message this morning is a message of of caution for us Christians. Let's continue in verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go and get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and, and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought, your, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make you a great nation. Now first of all, we we see something that's very important for you to understand today, is that God sees everything. He sees everything. He sees what you're doing. He saw what you did last night. He knows what your demise is. Be careful. He says, Moses, your people, down there, look what they're doing. They're they're giving way to idol worship. Now, what's interesting here is that God uh, disowns his people for a moment. Do you see that? He says, your people that you brought out of Egypt... They're a stiff-necked people. God's becoming angry, isn't he? He says, watch out. Back up, Moses. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to take them out. I'm going I'm to bring justice to what's happened here. Have you ever seen p- parents do this with their children? You know what I'm talking about. In the moment of disappointment, they say, one says to the other, would you, would you talk to your son? Because he is not my son right now. He is not my son. I think that's what God's doing here. He's he's trying to help us understand him in, in human terms for just a moment. So what does Moses do? He reasons with the Lord because he's been communing with the Father 
communing with God up on the mountain. And look what Moses says in verse 11. Then Moses pleads with the Lord, his God, and he said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt and the great, with great power and with, great, and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and, uh, and Israel, your, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. And said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. And all the land, all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants. And they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. You see, Moses knew the character of God. Moses knew who God was. He knew the heart of God. He knew that God was, was gracious and kind. He was slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and mercy toward his people. Moses knew this because he's been hanging out with God. He, God's been sharing these things with him. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, God is a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I love what Moses does here. He pleads with the Lord. He says, Lord, this isn't you. Don't hurt your people. Don't destroy them. Don't you remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Don't you remember the promises that you made? God, don't give up now. We've come too far. So God relents and turns his harm from them. Let's read on in verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two, and the two tablets of the tabernacle were, were in his hands, and the tablet were, were written on both sides, one on the one side, and the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. So when Joshua held the heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said to Moses, there's a noise of, of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor is the noise of the cry of defeat, but, it sound, but the sound is singing, I hear. So on the way the, down the mountain, Moses uh, meets up with Joshua that's been praying and hanging out halfway up, uh, up the mountain. And, there's, they're, they're, and Joshua says, man, I hear fighting down below. It sounds like something's happening. We, we, should, we should hurry. And Moses says, no, listen, it's singing. I wonder what's going on. Look at verse 19. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he, was, uh, he saw the calf. In the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. And then he took the calf, which had been made, burned it in the fire, and ground it into a powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Wow. Now Moses was angry, wasn't he? He, he's pretty hot here. This is the opposite of what just happened up on the mountain. God was angry with his people because he could see what was going on. And Moses says, oh, don't, don't, don't destroy them. You know, uh, Lord, relent. Don't, don't, don't do what you're going to, don't let your wrath be poured out. But now Moses is hot and he's angry. And he takes the tablets and he throws them down. And they're break. The words of God written on the stones now are broken. And I believe it's symbolic of, the, of God's people breaking his law. So Moses took the idol and he burned it. And now the, now the idol 
it was probably made of wood, overlaid with gold, and, and then that's kind of what they did uh, with idols uh, back then. And, and so Moses probably took it, he threw it into the fire, he got the gold out of it, and he ground it into a powder, and then he put it into the water, and he made the children of Israel drink it. Now that is hardcore. Sin, sin in our lives, church, needs to be dealt with radically. Compromise needs to be dealt with radically. He says, I'm going to take your God and I'm going to grind it up right in front of you and I'm going to make you drink it. By the way, if your God can be ground up into a powder, I think you have the wrong God, right? Amen. It was like Alka-Seltzer in reverse. These guys drank this stuff and it didn't take away the stomach ache. It gave them a stomach ache. Maybe that's exactly what Moses had in, had in mind. I'm going to make you sick of your sin. I'm going to make you feel your sin. The reality of your sin. Moses says, golden calf latte for everyone. Actually, the calf would have been go gone, so it would be a decaf golden latte. <laughs> decaf, that was pretty bad, wasn't it? <laughs> Verse 21, and Moses said to Aaron, what did this, what did this people do, do to you that you would have brought, brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. He said, Moses, don't get mad at me. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And, and I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So, I, so they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and the calf came out. <laughs> Liar, right? Come on, Aaron. You're not even telling the truth. You know, I just took the gold, Lord, and I just said, you know, do something, and then, whew, there it was. The calf just started coming out. No, you, you, Aaron, you took an engraving tool and you, you molded it and you shaped it with your own hands. You're guilty, bro. You know, sin makes you stupid, doesn't it? Some of you might be there this morning. This is Aaron. This is Moses' right-hand man, godly man, now has given way to incredible sin in his life. Church, when we sin, we often come up with all kinds of excuses, don't we? Aaron is caught in his sin right here. And he should have just confessed and said, hey, uh, yes. If you're here today and you're making excuses for your sin, stop it. Stop making excuses for your sin and call a spade a spade and say, it's sin. And I'm failing. And Lord, I'm sorry. You know, as pastors, we, we try to help as many people as we can, and we counsel people all the time. And they come into our offices, and we sit down with them, and we, 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 we open up the Word of God, and we, we, we show them the Word of God, and we start to confront their sin. And then when we confront their sin, they get upset with us. And they say, who are you to point out my sin? They have this little pet sin. I want to keep it. I want to keep my sin. I want to keep my... 
Who are you to try to take away my little pet sin? It's so nice and it's never hurt anybody. But we know what that sin will do. We know what will, will destroy your life. We know what, it will, what will come later on. We know if you continue in it, the consequence and the cost of the sin. You gotta cut it out now. You gotta get rid of it. Aaron says, dude, I don't know what happened. I just threw it in and this calf came out. Come on, Aaron. Let's get serious. Look at verse 25. And when, now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among, the, among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of, the, uh, of Levi gathered themselves together to them. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, his, every man his companion, every, every man his neighbor. So the, sons of Is, so, so the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. This is the cost. This is the cost, death and destruction and disunity in the church, in the body of Christ because of sin that wasn't dealt with and now it's affected so many. 3,000 men were struck down because they persisted in their idol worship. They said, I am not on the Lord's side. I I love my compromise and I'm going to stay in it. Any doctor knows the reason why sometimes radical surgery has to happen. When someone has cancer, we never question the doctor when he says, I'm going to have to take a part of your body out to get rid of it. But do I, uh, that's a part of my body, can I just keep it? No, it's going to kill you. It needs, to, it needs to be taken out. And we say, okay, take it out because I don't want to die. Well, let me tell you this morning, sin is like cancer. And if you don't take it out and you don't get rid of it, it will destroy you. We need to deal with sin radically. If Moses hadn't done this, I believe that maybe this would have stopped the children of Israel from going into the promised land. I don't know. I don't know what it needed, but all I know is radical, something radical needed to be done. Verse 29, then Moses said, dedicate yourselves today to the Lord. For every man has been against his son and against his brother, in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. Moses calls the people to repentance. He says it's time to repent. It's time to turn from our sin. It's time to return to the covenant that we've made to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, set yourself apart. The idea is that is, is to set something that is pure aside so that what is corrupt will not corrupt it. Set yourself apart. Sanctify yourself, church. He says, repent today. You see, church, some of us need to repent today because we've been walking in compromise. Some of us need to remember that the enemy is crouching at the door trying to destroy you. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
though we walk around this life like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm a Christian. Bam. As we get smacked because we're not aware. The Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord, but we've got to be ready for the battle. At the end of Philippians chapter 4, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Be ready. Be aware of what's happening. As a Christian, we need to be looking and being aware of what the enemy is doing and he's trying to destroy. There are wolves that are going to try in and come and get you. Don't compromise. You might be saying, well, I'm not in compromise this morning. Well, praise the Lord. But watch. Be careful because you might be shortly if you're not careful. Some of you are in compromise. You've been there for many years. You've been in sin and you've, you've been petting that little sin and you're saying, oh, it's my little sin. You need to get rid of that thing. It's time to, to destroy it and, and get rid of it so that God can do great things through his church. You know what's so exciting for us pastors here is, is that when, when the church, we're starting to see God purify the church. He's getting us serious about the things of God so that when, he, when, when the church is pure, he's going to do something radical. He's going to use us. Amen? He's going to do something with our lives. He's gonna, he has something great for us as a, as a church. But we've got to first get clean. We can't allow compromise anymore. We've got to start walking in purity. I want to end with these two verses, verse 34 and verse 35. And it says this, Now therefore go and lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you, God's grace. Nevertheless, the day, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. This is the consequences. The consequences. We see God's grace in this verse, these verses and God's judgment. You see, God forgives, but he also disciplines. Church, if we, if we confess our sin, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we don't confess and we just hold on to it, guess what's going to happen? More consequences and more consequences. It's time. It's time to, to, get, radically, to get radical about our sin and our compromise. Let me ask you a question as we end. Do you think that the children of Israel at the beginning of the 40 days, do you think they really meant what they said? Lord, we want to obey you. Lord, we love you. Do you think they really meant that? Absolutely. I believe they meant it wholeheartedly. God, we want you. We we love you, Lord. We we want to serve you. Isn't that like us? Lord, we love you. We, we want to serve you. We want to obey you, Lord. In fact, we're going to walk out of here today because of this, and we're going to say, Lord, I want to obey you. Hopefully we're challenged for, to, 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 to take that covenant and say, Lord, I want a covenant with you. Lord, I don't want to compromise. I don't want cost and, and consequences in my life. I want a covenant with you and walk with you, and I want your blessing. We're going to walk out of here making that commitment this morning because that's where we're at because the Lord wants that in our hearts. And I know, I know you guys because you want to love the Lord. But what's really sad is we can walk right out those doors and compromise real easy. Be careful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would not underestimate our own sinful desires. Lord, that we would not underestimate our own weaknesses, thinking that we can obey and fulfill our, this covenant with you in our own strength. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need your strength in our life, Lord. As we wait upon you, would you strengthen us? Lord, we want to deal with the idols in our life. We want to deal with those things that are more important than you. We want to put them aside, and we want those things to die. Lord, we don't want the church to be compromised and your work to be lessened because of our sin. So, Lord, would you come this morning? Would you cleanse our hearts? Lord, would you do business with our sin? Lord, would we call a spade a spade in our own lives and say, Lord, I've, fought, I've sinned, Lord. I'm sorry. I need you. Lord, would you restore our covenant with you? God, would you restore your people? Lord, as we sit here this morning, Right where you're at, church, I just ask that you would just pray this prayer right where you're at. Lord, I set myself apart for you. I want all that you want, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, fa for falling into sin and compromise. Lord, help me to rid my life of things that, that are causing me to, to compromise, Lord. And help me to walk with you, Lord. Help me to be close to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.